I feel like we've made the right decision to, to kind of do this, but at the same time, I'm, you know, just, meow. Um, just feel like we get going and they want you to shut down again. So, um, but we'll get through it. Uh, just a couple of things, you know, just make sure you pray for those of, in our community who are sick. Again, I know we have several, uh, even in our church, that, that they don't ever need to get sick, but then they don't need to get sick with something like this. And so, uh, be lifting them up. Uh, Christy Jarvis would be one that comes to mind. So you guys make sure you pray for them right now. Uh, also pray for our school administrators as they're making really difficult decisions this week. Again, they're in the same boat I am. They don't want to be making these decisions. They probably handle their emotions better than me, but they're, they're a little fired up too because I know none of them want this either. So be praying for them. Uh, and uh, let's just lift them up. Lift up our businesses again who they've had to take a step forward and now all of a sudden they're having to take a step back again. Uh, and just for our economy and everything that we've got going on right now, okay? Uh, so let's, uh, let's read this and then uh, we'll pray. Exodus twenty twelve says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for how good you are to us. Uh, father, thank you... Uh, uh, thank you for the promise that is contained in this uh, commandment. That, that, Father, when we show honor to our parents, then, Father, then, then all things uh, will go well for us. But not just us as, as individuals, but for us as communities, Father. When honor is given where honor is due. And so, Father, forgive us where we fail to do that, whether it's with our parents uh, or with others, Father. Even me, myself, this week, as I've been fired up about all kinds of different things and maybe not showing honor where honor is due, forgive me. Uh, help us to see that, that we're all, once again, uh, guilty of this commandment and some way of breaking it. Uh, and that ultimately we're thankful for Jesus who in every single way honored not only his uh, heavenly father, but also his earthly mother and father. Uh, and he was perfect and uh, he did all that so that we could receive his perfect record in exchange for our guilty record. And so uh, I pray that you be with us in our next few moments as we study this command. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So just by way of review, all right, hopefully when we're done, everybody will know the Ten Commandments, I hope. Uh, the first commandment is there's one God, and you are to worship that God alone. Second commandment is that God wants to be worshipped correctly, so we don't fashion idols or anything to worship this God through. Commandment three is since there's one God and he wants to be worshipped correctly, that we don't take that God's name in vain. We don't flippantly use his name. And then commandment four is that one day out of seven, we should refocus, rest, and remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, that we are to gather and to remember the gospel. Now, the first four commandments are all about our vertical relationship with God. The last five commandments are about our horizontal relationship with others. And what you'll notice is, is if you look closely, is that the fifth commandment is a bridge between those two. Right, And that it's here in, intentionally uh, by God. Because see, if our vertical relationship with God is where it should be, right, that if we've been reconciled and made right with God the Father, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the outflow of that will be that our horizontal relationship with others, although at times imperfect, will be where it needs to be, where we will be uh, loving others as we should be, okay? So the first place that that, that horizontal relationship begins is in the home. That God knows that if you can show honor to your parents and those in your family, then guess what? You can show honor to anyone. 
the home is probably the most difficult place to show honor. And the reason is you can't fake it at home, right? They see you 24 hours a day. They know what a moron you are. You can't fake it. But see, there's another element to this. The home has always been the foundation of society. Like, this has been God's plan from the very beginning, is that the home was to be the place where it all starts. So if you can teach honor at home, then God knows that that honor will then extend out to all of society. So let's look at the fifth commandment again. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, says to honor your father and mother, right? So honor father and mother. So real quick, I want you to see three things right up front at the beginning. Three things. First is that word honor. It's the Hebrew word kavid, which means heavy or, or weighty. It's the Old Testament word that, that's used to describe the glory of God. So it's described the weightiness of his majesty, of, of who he is, that God contains weight, that his name contains weight. So to honor your parents is to give weight to their position. And the opposite of honor, we know, is dishonor. So if your parents are weighty, they should be treated as such. We should honor them is what that means. Second, this shows the equality that's afforded to the mother, right? It says, honor your father and your mother. If you've ever noticed, one of the big knocks on the Bible, especially from a lot of scholars, is, is that the Bible is written to a patriarchal society, that it's male-dominated, blah, 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 when in reality, the Bible gives great weight to women. See, in this society, in the Middle East, right here at this time period, to say honor your mother would have been shocking. So what God's saying is that, listen, the father and the mother both deserve equal weight in the home. So how many of you guys have ever heard, or maybe you've done this before, wait till your father gets home? You remember hearing that as a kid? Like, that was like a really, really scary thing. You're like, oh, man, when dad comes home. Usually for that, for me, that meant get as many pairs of underwear on as I could before dad got home, right? Because I knew what was coming. But here's the thing about that. According to this passage, and I hadn't thought about it till this week, we shouldn't do that. Mothers, you shouldn't do that. Dads, if this happens, you should go home and you should get down on one knee and you should instruct your children and you should let them know this, that your mother has the exact same authority that I do, that her words carry the same weight as my words, that we are of one mind. So what she says goes. See, a lot of times, and I never thought about this either, but when we do that, what we're doing is we're playing favorites as parents, aren't we? We're like, I, I don't want to be the bad guy, so wait till your parents get home, right? I'm going to be the good cop. I'm going to let dad be the bad cop. No. Your words carry the same weight as dad's. And so as a dad, you should teach that, right? Then you spank them, but then you teach them. I'm just kidding. I mean, you, maybe you need to. I don't know. The third thing is that the ideal family unit is a mother and a father. Now, I say that knowing that even today, in this age, in our town, in this time period, that is a very controversial thing for me to say. Because that comes across as bigoted, it comes across as discriminatory. But I'm sorry, that's God's design and that is God's intent. 
Yes, there will be widows. Yes, there will be divorces. Yes, we live in a fallen and broken world. But listen, ideally, a child raised by a mother and a father is what God intends. I'm not saying if you're a single mom or if you're a single dad that you're in sin or that you're doing something wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. You should be applauded for doing a two-person job on your own. Okay, I was raised by a single father at several points in my childhood. So I understand the weight that comes with that. But God's design is a mom and a dad in the home. This is how life, this is how society works best. And if you want to argue that point, go turn on the news. Okay? Right? If you want to argue that point, go, go look up mission statements that say our mission is to upend the nuclear family. Okay, upending the nuclear family is what's gotten us in this wreck that we're in right now as a society. See, God wants us to honor our parents. And the reason is, okay, students and parents, listen to this. J.D. Greer puts it this way. You are temporary stand-ins for God. Okay, so students, your parents are temporary stand-ins for God. Parents, we are temporary stand-ins for God. So as parents, that should comfort us that God would trust us with raising children. But then at the same time, it ought to frighten the heck out of us because that's a very weighty role if we're temporary stand-ins for God. Students, that ought to cause you to show more honor to your parents because you understand now that they are temporary stand-ins for God. And so parents, what this means for us is that as parents, we have a profound impact on how our students and how our children view God. And if you're a man in this room or if you're a man watching at home, you in particular have a profound impact on how your kids view God. Right? Usually the way the man goes in the house is the way that the house goes. Right? You've all heard the studies. I don't have to quote them a thousand times. But usually if you can win a student to Christ, then maybe you'll have like a 20% chance of getting the rest of the family. If you can get mom, you've got like a 40% chance. But usually if dad becomes a devoted follower of Jesus, you have like a 98% chance of getting the whole family. The way we go as men is the way our house goes. So if you're a dad who's demanding and you're never satisfied, listen, your kids will end up thinking the exact same thing about God. And they will end up resenting God because they will think that he is never satisfied and he never loves them. If you're an unfaithful dad, then a lot of times your kids will have a really hard time believing that God is not going to leave you. If you're an emotionally distant dad, then a lot of times your daughters will crave that affection in boyfriends. They'll go on to become serial daters and they'll eventually marry and they'll become codependent on the man that they, that they marry. And then when that man lets them down, which he will, they'll become bitter and then usually they'll look up old boyfriends on Facebook. If you're an emotionally distant dad with a son, your son will have the insatiable craving to succeed and they'll spend their lives trying to prove that they're worth something Because their dad never told them that they were. Parents, especially dads, you have a heavy role. And so it's our job to teach our kids what God sees and says is right or wrong. Okay, And so the reason you're like, well, this is about honoring parents. Well, it's got to start with parents. Because as parents, it's our job to teach them how to honor others. See, we live in a day and age where we're told that kids are just basically good people. 
right? All you got to do is just have them, pop them out, and they'll just grow up to be good people. Just let them grow, right? Just let them be little, right? You remember those songs? And they'll just become really good, adjusted kids. Listen to me. It's easy to grow weeds. It's hard to tend a garden. It's easy to grow weeds. It's hard to tend a garden. Our little sinners need instruction. They need discipline. They need repentance. They need correction. Ultimately, what your child needs is a new nature. And that's the hardest part because you can't give them that. Now, you can lay the kindling down all around them. You can point them to Jesus. You can take them to church. You can put Bible studies in front of them. You can pray with them. You can plead for God to save them. But ultimately, it's God who does that work. All we can do is hope that God will light that fire one day and save our children and give them that new nature. But it's our job to train them. Right? Jay read it at the first of service. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train, teach, instruct them in the way that they should go. Joshua 24.15. Right? What does Joshua tell the children of Israel? He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I want you to notice something. Joshua, as the man of the house, says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord the Lord, all right? They didn't get the kids together and go, well, what do you guys think, buddy? Do we want to take a vote on that as a family? No, he said, me and mom got together. We decided we'll serve the Lord. So that means this silly idea of so many parents have of, well, the kids don't like church, so we're not going to make them go. Stupid. Well, they'll grow up to hate church, Byron. No, they won't. Take them to church. I'm sorry, I didn't realize your kids got a vote in whether or not they got to go to church. That's your job. That's our job. See, what happened was is we got this wonderful little peer-based family style that came from Dr. Spock. Yeah, anybody remember him? 70s and 80s? And he gave us this idea that family's a democracy. That's not biblical. God's model is God, parents, children. That's how it works. Right? We've become so kid-centric in this world that we forgot all about the parents. Right? Everything revolves around our kids and instead of our marriage, first and foremost, folks. If you'll take care of your marriage, then I promise the parenting part will be a little bit easier. But we revolved everything around our kids. And so out of this model came this whole be buddies with your kids parenting philosophy. Now, as our kids age, should we transition to being their friends instead of giving directives? Yeah, absolutely. But children don't get to vote and negate mom and dad. I'm sorry. So it means that your child is your responsibility. In Job chapter 1, verse 5, Job says this, or it says this about Job. It says that Job would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all, talking about his children. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did this continually. See, he's taking responsibility for his children. He knows that ultimately it starts with him. So your children are not the church's responsibility. They're not the school's responsibility. Now you can and you should use those things to help you parent, but you are primarily responsible for your kids' well-being. It starts with you. And here's the thing, and this is going to be highly unpopular with a lot of you. 
Your goal is not to raise a moral kid. Your goal is not to raise a moral kid, but a worshiper. See, this is important for our Bible Belt context because we want kids that are yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. We want kids who say please and thank you. We want kids who go to church and they look really good on the outside. Those are moral kids. Yes. They're not worshipers. Not worshipers. See, we don't want kids who do the right things. We want kids who have a new heart. Because then when they get a new heart, the right things will come naturally. We don't want a kid who's outwardly compliant but a kid who inwardly loves Jesus. See, we have a lot of moral kids in our context. We do. We have good kids in our context. But that's why a lot of them leave home and they never go back to church. They were moral, but they weren't worshipers. They didn't have a new heart. Mark Driscoll puts it this way. He says, you're the first pastor. you got to raise them in the Lord. You're the one who is responsible for their overall care and well-being. They will live where you put them. They will eat what you feed them, sometimes. They will worship where you take them. They will read what you hand them. They will find other families to follow and model themselves after, depending on who you surround yourself with. So men, once again, your sons will grow up and be like you. Men, your daughters will grow up and marry men like you. This is your responsibility. Your kids have no theology. You have to teach them. Your kids are vulnerable to sin. You have to protect them. As they get older, especially your daughter, you don't just say stupid things like, well, I got my shotgun loaded. You know why men say that most of the time? I'll tell you. Is because they want to act like they've taken a position of leadership in their home when they never have. You don't need to load your shotgun. You need to love your daughter. You need to guard her heart. You need to date her. You need to care for her. And see, listen, I start here with the parents because, listen, government and institutions can't do what a spirit-filled parent can So in order for our kids to honor their parents, we have to teach them. It starts with us, okay? And if you're sitting here going, well, man, I need help. Man, we've got a whole resource shelf right out here that none of you ever touch. It's got all kinds of parenting books on it. We've given you right now media now, and if you'll go to the library, one of the first studies I recommended was a study by Paul Tripp on parenting. We've given resources so that you can parent better. But moms and dads, it starts with us, okay? So in order to honor our parents, it starts with us teaching what that looks like, all right? That's why we go there. Look back at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Let's read it one more time. So honor your father and mother. starts with us. But then it says that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So honor your parents. And then it gives us a promise behind that. And it's not an individual promise, right? Don't turn that around and think that was just about you. This is a promise for the whole nation of Israel. That when we show honor at home, we will then show honor outside of the home. See, when you show honor at home, society goes better because then you give proper honor where honor is due. So when you honor your parents, you can honor teachers. You can honor coaches. You can honor police. Very unpopular idea. You can honor pastors. 
You can honor those who have authority, right? Even health officials, Byron Potter, okay? And when honor is shown, society works better. So let's just look at this real quickly. What does it mean to honor your parents, all right? Well, first off, it means this, that when you live at home as a child, you obey them. You obey them. If you're in junior high or high school, you're still a child, you obey your parents. Then, adults, for all of your life, you respect them. So when you live at home, you obey them, and then for all of your life, you respect them. So I'll give you a few things, students and adults, right? You can write these down. Ways you can honor your parents. The first one is this. Give grace. Students, this job is hard. You do not come with instruction manuals. I wish you did, right? And then you have multiple kids and we find out that you're all different, okay? One acts one way, one acts the other way. You're different. This job is hard. And listen, I want every teenager to listen to me. When we are young, we expect far more out of our parents than we expect out of ourselves. It's the truth. You are a lot harder on your parents than you ever thought about being on yourself. And it's not right and it's not fair. But listen, we all did it. Even when we were teenagers, we acted the same way. Listen, your parents are fallen sinners doing the best that they can. Give them grace. Adults, maybe you need to call up your parents if they're still alive and just say, hey, mama tried, right? Give them grace. They did the best that they could do. Two, give forgiveness. This means that you need to guard your heart against bitterness. Guard your heart against bitterness. Have you ever seen someone who hates their parents but then grows up to be just like them? It's because they never guarded their heart against bitterness. They just got angry at their parents and they just let it fester. And then when they got older, they just became them. Give forgiveness. So maybe you're a student, you had a fight with mom or dad this week, and you need to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you've just been a flat-running jerk lately, and you need to say, I'm sorry. Adults, maybe we need to call up a parent again and say, hey, I'm sorry. I've held this or this against you. Please forgive me. Give grace. Give forgiveness. Listen, the third one is just what it says. Give them honor. One of the ways to honor them is honor them. So that means, listen, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Okay, right? You ever have that brilliant thought that goes through your head and then it just comes out? I live there. I mean, I get it. Okay, that's me. Right? That goes for me too. I'm speaking to myself there. So listen, students, very practically, don't badmouth your parents to your friends. Keep your mouth shut. Don't do it. Adults, don't run down grandma and grandpa in front of the kids. Just don't. Show your parents honor, even as adults. And listen, I know this part is tough. Because a lot of you go, well, you don't know my situation. I came out of a really difficult situation with my family. uh, And I know that. I know some of you probably did have horrendous situations that you came out of. I get it. My biological mom ran off and left us and just did some crazy stuff when I was a kid. She hasn't been in the picture most of my life. I don't minimize your situation. But if you can't respect them as individuals, at least respect the institution that they represent, right? Respect the institution. 
Right? We say this all the time. Like, we get mad all the time. We're like, well, they can't honor the president. Well, at least honor his office, right? It's the same with your parents. Honor the institution they respect, it, it, they, it, they represent. Listen, you don't have to approve or condone of what they do. You don't always have to submit to what ungodly parents tell you. But you can show a level of respect for the office they hold. So when you honor your parents, you're honoring God ultimately is the point of that, okay? All right? The next one. Give an example. Even as students, you can set an example. Give an example. See, if you don't honor your mother and father now, you'll raise children in the future who don't honor their mother and father. Pretty simple principle. So adults, that means when you turn one of your younger children into your best friends and then you dump all your mommy and daddy issues on them, you're not honoring your parents. And what you're doing is you're teaching them to dishonor their parents. Students, when all you do is badmouth your parents to your friends, you're setting yourself up to continue that pattern in the future. So give an example now. Honor your parents. Let others see you do it. Next one. Give thanks. Some of you just need to be thankful that you've got parents. A lot of kids don't. Adults, maybe you need to be thankful that you had parents. I mean, yeah, maybe they were bad Christians, but they were Christians. Be thankful for that. Maybe your dad was or is emotionally absent, but hey, he provides. You got a roof over your head. Give thanks for that. Be thankful. A lot of kids don't have that. And see, what happens when you're thankful is what you find out your heart begins to change. Then when you're just thankful for little things, then you can be grateful for more things, okay? And so when you go, hey, you know what? My parents maybe weren't perfect, or maybe dad just isn't as emotionally involved as I want him to be, but at least he's here, at least I have him, at least they've given me these things, then suddenly you become more thankful and grateful, and then you can show more honor. And the final thing is this. You care for them in their old age. Some of you know this. Some of you are walking through this, maybe with your parents. You, you understand what I'm talking about right now. Listen, guys, there is a life cycle that happens to all of us. A baby's born. The baby's dependent on mom and dad for everything. Hopefully, as baby gets older, right? The world we live in now, you know, they don't still have to wipe baby's hiney in high school. They get more independent. They grow up, they raise the family, and then what happens is the parents get towards the end of their lives. What happens? They get dependent again. And so as our parents age, we take care of them. So it means that we see that, that they're provided for. It means that maybe they move in with us and we look out for them. Maybe we find a good facility where they're taken care of and we can check in on them. But it's our job as our parents age to take care of them. They took care of you when you were little. You now take care of them as they get older. And see, this is the point where the question always comes up. What if my parents aren't Christians, though, and they want me to do something that God doesn't want me to do? Okay, so if your parents are temporary fill-ins for God, that means the real point is to obey God. The best way you can honor your parents is by growing up and obeying God, even if they don't want you to. Right? Jesus, 
Luke 14, 26, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus isn't overturning the fifth commandment. He's not saying, hey, go dishonor your parents. He's actually fulfilling the fifth commandment because he's saying that the ultimate point behind the fifth commandment is learning to obey him. So our commitment to Jesus should make all the other commitments in our life look like hate compared to the way that we love him. See, the greatest honor you can show a parent is learning to obey God. So you honor your parents as a way of learning to obey God. Now, there's only two kinds of people in the world, okay? And this is where I get really convicted, okay? And you may laugh at me, but there's only two kinds of people. So you're either under authority or you want to make your own rules, right? So either you submit to authority and you're a rule follower or you're like, I don't like authority. I'm going to do what I want. I'm the latter, right? And as we get older, I'm realizing that I have one child who's a rule follower and she'll, she'll never lie. She'll never tell a, a fib or anything like that. And then the other one, did you do that? No, right? She gets it from me, not her mother. Absolutely. You're either under authority or you make your own rules. Right? That's why I've been angry this week. Because I'm like, I don't want to be under authority. I'm going to do what I want to do. A lot of Christians are like this, though. Is that we want Christianity, but then we want it on our own terms. So we want to have Jesus as an influence. We want to slap his name on our stuff. But ultimately, we want veto power on the decisions. We want to be able to say, I don't think so, God. Nuh-uh, not happening. We come, we sing songs, we act like we are enjoying worship, but ultimately our foot is the one on the brake pedal. How many of you remember driver's ed, right, when they still did it, right? And you got the old crusty coach that used to drive around, and he should have retired 15 years ago. He was in a bad mood. And you think you're in control over there driving, and then you do something wrong, and he slams that brake over on his side. You're not really in control. He was in control. A lot of us are that way, right, is we want to act like we're in control, but we're really not. So the question is, is are you a person under authority or are you in charge of your own life? So is God in charge of who you date, students? Is God in charge of your marriage? Is God in charge of your finances? Is God in charge of where you live? See, the lordship of Christ is either total or it's an illusion. That's ultimately the heart behind the fifth commandment. So we either obey the one behind our parents, who's God the Father, or we do our own thing. And I think if hopefully you're listening, we can all raise our hands right now and agree that we haven't done this as well as we should have. Whether you're a student in the room, a child in the room, or whether you're an adult right now, we realize, oh my gosh, I failed to honor my parents the way the scriptures want me to. So what do we do? We look to Jesus. That's what we do. See, our God became a man, but not only a man, right? We always love to say our God became a man, but our God became a baby first. He grew up into a man, which means he was a child, which means he was a teenager, which means he was a young adult, which means that he was eventually a man. So Jesus is for all people. He's for children. He's for teenagers. He's for adults. Listen, students, here's this one, all right? Let me blow your mind. Jesus had to obey his parents. Jesus was without sin, and yet he obeyed sinful parents. 
right? Jesus was the one person that it could say, I do it, Mom! Slam his door, right? And really have a reason not to do it. He was without sin, but yet he obeyed his parents. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So how did Jesus honor his parents? Well, it's right there. He honored his parents through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the only way that we can honor our heavenly father and our earthly parents is through a new nature. So again, parents, we should instruct, we should teach, but ultimately we should pray for a new nature, that our children's heart would be transformed by a love of Jesus, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they could follow in Jesus' example, who died for their sin even though he had no sin. Jesus lived his life as an obedient child. And as a man before he died, what did he say to his father? Not my will, but yours be done. And what I love about this in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, is that it shows that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at the very beginning of his life. So it means that it's possible for young children to know the Lord and to honor their father and mother from an early age. That it's possible for them to be saved, right? I knew an old pastor that used to always say, God, don't lie to kids. And if there's a kid that feels like the Lord's calling him and wooing him, God's not going to lie to children. And it's possible for them to be saved from an early age and to grow up to love and follow Jesus. Teenagers, one of my favorite stories is found in Luke chapter 2. Right? If you want to turn there, you can. If not, it'll be on the screen. But in verses 41 through 52, listen to this story. Now his parents, speaking of Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, right? Didn't have cell phones, couldn't track him. He couldn't say, I didn't hear your, your phone call, right? But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. All right, parents, Jesus' parents lost him. That ought to make you feel better, right? Once you get past two, man, I don't even remember if I got a third one half the time anymore. I'm serious. Like, there we have time. I'm like, oh, yeah, where's Lincoln? I just, hadn't got, I just hadn't got there yet. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they still can't find him. They finally find him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And students, listen, verse 50, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus creased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. So how many teenagers are frustrated because your parents, they just don't understand you? Right? You remember that old song when we were kids? Sometimes parents just don't understand. Fresh Prince. Jesus was the same way. And his parents didn't understand him. They didn't get why he had stayed behind in the temple. And Jesus was like, hey, didn't you know it was going to be about my father's business? I mean, what, don't you get me, Mom? Don't you get who I am? But listen, he still submits to his parents. The perfect son of God submitted to his imperfect parents. So teenagers, listen to me, children even, 
If you love Jesus and you want to be like Jesus, honor your parents. And you do that by submitting to them. Turn your phone off. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Take the trash out. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I don't like that boy you're dating. Okay, Dad. I trust you. Now, can I tell you that your parents are out for your best interest? They really are. I don't think I could put one parent aside in here and be like, man, I, I just want my kids to be awful, rotten, evil, terrible, horrible members of society. I mean, there's not one of your parents that would say that about you in this room. You know, they love you. They want what's best for you. They make hard decisions on your behalf sometimes. You know that? I, listen, I'll just be vulnerable and honest. We had to make a decision this week. Mariah's supposed to be leaving tomorrow so that Lucy could go get a tube put in her stomach so that we could gain weight. And all week, it's her daddy. It's just been racking me because I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Just because I just didn't feel like it was the right call. You know, and ultimately, I got a hold of old Dr. Hastings on the phone. I said, man, what do I do? And he said, listen, if you're a parent, I would go with what your parent instincts tell you first. And so we had to sit her down this week and say, hey, can you trust daddy? Do you know that daddy knows what's best for you? Do you know that daddy wants to look out for you? Okay, that was a hard decision, but it's one that we made because I love her and I want what's best for her. Okay, listen, parents, your students, your parents are the same way. They want what's best for you. A lot of them did some really dumb stuff in their life. Amen. And they don't want to see you go through the same things that they went through. And so they're looking out for you. But listen, parents, hear me on this. Jesus also took care of his parents. What was the last thing he did right before he died? On the cross, he looks at the apostle he loved, which was John, and he said, John, here's your mother. Mother, here's your son. And he made arrangements for Mary to be taken care of before he died. So even as a child, he showed honor to his parents, and even in his death, he showed honor to his parents. He honored his parents, not only his earthly parents, but his heavenly father. So that means for those of us who have dishonored our parents and fallen short, all of us, we have Jesus who was obedient in our place for our sins. He obeyed his parents where we fail. So whenever we stand before God the Father and we hand him our report card full of Fs, Jesus steps in and says, nah, get that out of here. He goes, take my report card instead. And it's full of A pluses. He made the principles on a roll, baby, okay? He get it for us. So that means by the power of the Holy Spirit and by God's grace, we can honor our parents, whether they're older or whether we live with them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can allow that honor to flow outside of our homes to the world around us. And the world's a better place because we obey the commandment of God contained right here in Exodus 20, 12. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all you've given us. I thank you. Um, for the weighty privilege of being parents. Uh, I, I thank you that you entrust us as temporary stand-ins for you. And so I pray for each and every parent in the room who's just trying to do their best. Whether the kids are little, whether the kids are teenagers, whether the kids are out of the house, we're just trying to do our best. I thank you for the grace that you give that fills in gaps where we fail. Um, I pray that you always remind us uh, that, 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 that we're probably not messing them up near as bad as we think we are uh, and that you would let that just settle on us and let us trust you for the rest. Uh, Father, for the students in this room, whether they're, they're little, little, little guys and girls or whether they're, they're, they're teenagers, I, I pray that they would honor their parents. 
that you'd help them to see the weighty role that, that, that their parents have in their lives and that they would give them honor and that they would know that their parents are looking out for their best interest and that they uh, really want what's best for them. Father, I above all thank you for Jesus who honored his parents throughout all of his life. From the time he was a little kid all the way until the day he died, he did what we failed to do and he gives us his perfect report card in our place. So help us all to rejoice and to be thankful for the good news of the gospel. And finally, Father, I ask that you forgive us and forgive me. I'm up here a sinner um, having a bad week and, and being upset about things that I probably shouldn't even be upset about because I'm not showing honor where honor is due. And so forgive me and help me to show more honor because I know that even as a community leader, when I show honor, <laughs> that helps others to show honor as well. So I ask for forgiveness for my own fallenness. And I pray that we all would leave here and show honor to those in positions of authority. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would, please stand.